Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to another Arseblog Arsecast right here on Arseblog.com. This is an extra Arsecast, not an Arsecast extra, but with me is James. Good morning, James. Sorry, goodly morning, James. Goodly morning to you too, Andrew. And this isn't just any Arsecast, as you just told me before we started recording. Yeah, it, when you add up the numbers, this is Arsecast episode 610, and we have done 390 Arsecasts Extra. Is that how you say it? Arsecast Extras or Arsecasts Extra? Arsecast Extras, I believe. Okay, well, let's not get into the uh, semantics of that. When you add the, the two numbers together, you get 1,000. So this is the official 1,000th episode of the Arsecast. I know that there have been some bonus episodes, and of course, Patreon members get lots more uh, bonus extra podcasts and what have you. But in terms of the the official Arsecast, this is number 1,000. So, um, round of applause, sound effects, something like that, cheering, blah, blah, blah. Yes. Well done. So, there you uh, go. Only fitting, then, that it, it starts with a goodly morning and celebrating another Arsenal win. Another one. You say that like it's 15 in a row, not two, but I get where two. you're coming from. One after the other, Andrew. <laughs> Can't believe it. It did occur to me yesterday that this was going to be the number 1,000, and I was like, oh, that's good. I really hope we don't mark it in the way that, you know, Arsene Wenger marked his 1,000th game in charge of Arsenal. So, James, uh, how do you uh, rationalise and put the 6-0 defeat to Brighton into perspective? <laughs> <laughs> no, I am very, very glad that that's not the case and I'm also glad that uh, it's not a, a dis- dispiriting result of any kind I mean uh, just to get another win and feels like a real relief and gives you some hope that we may have if not have turned the corner at least we are approaching the corner at speed yeah it is amazing is it well should it be amazing but things do feel so much better when we win. I know it sounds really stupid. When I say that out loud, it sounds really daft or or just nonsensical. Of course it's better when we win. But I mean, the bigger picture becomes easier to see or what have you. You know what I mean? You can... Yeah. You can see that we still have problems, clearly. You can see that we need to improve. We can all see that. But when you've got a couple of wins under your belt and when you're looking sort of up the table instead of you know, down and over your shoulder or what might be lying beneath. What lies beneath is always terrifying, as we know. You 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 can see more clearly how things might continue to improve, whereas when you go through the kind of run that we've been through, it, it becomes almost impossible to see a way out. Mm. 
Well, I think you've got to remember that was a particularly bad run, wasn't it? I mean, it was pretty diabolical. Mm. And so I think the sort of despair we collectively felt is excusable. But football is an absolutely mad business and a mad industry where your assessment of every individual involved, of every practice, of every, uh, every, every thing you do is seen through the prism of results. And they so dramatically change your interpretation of what's happening. Yeah, it is. It is kind of crazy in that respect. And then you, you know, suddenly you get a result in the other direction. The glass that was most definitely half empty can suddenly appear half full. Um, I mean, I was cautious after the Chelsea game about you know feeling like we'd turned the corner or anything like mm. it, and I still am. But. Yeah. I feel so much better about the way things are going. Even though we're still in 13th, I just kind of, I'm able to look at the fixtures on the horizon without that sense of dread. And that's a very welcome change at the moment. Yeah, it is. I think you're right to talk about football as a weird industry. It is, by any um, metric, uh, just a strange kind of thing because you can make all the arguments you want for medium and long-term planning about how important they are and how important it is for football clubs to operate with within a kind of strategy. You know, you hear about yeah. five-year plans and all those kind of things, which, of course, make a lot of sense, but you, you cannot implement those if the short-term isn't also at least passable, you know? so Yeah, it's almost impossible. No, no supporter realistically accepts well, we're just going to lose... In the first year of that five-year plan, we're going to lose loads of games. It just doesn't work like that, no. really. And, um, you know, holding your nerve as an executive or as a manager in that period, I think, is is next to impossible. I think you do have to balance the immediate term mm. with the long term. And um, that is the challenge for this football club. But a couple of wins can change everything. And the funny thing is, like recency bias in football is so strong so if we finish the season uh, if the second half of the season is kind of strong-ish and we we climb up to ninth or something some of the ills of uh, that dreadful run we experienced probably will be forgotten that is just the nature of of football and football fans but anyway look that all feels a long way away for the moment I'm just very very glad that we've Won a couple of games. Yeah, I'm a bit disappointed the height of your ambition is ninth. I was thinking seventh. <laughs> you know, seventh could be pretty good. Yeah, uh, <laughs> a heavy dose of realism this morning. Um, well, look, I mean, but, I, yeah. yeah, I think part of the reason things are feeling brighter is, okay, we've won a couple of games and that's really important, but also we're seeing things within the games and we're seeing things within the team, the team selection, which are exciting to us maybe because they're new or maybe because they're a bit fresh and we're not you know bogged down by months of if not years of what would you call a sort of back catalogue influence with certain players etc etc you know mm. um but let's talk about the team that Mikel Arteta put out last night he didn't change much there was just one no. uh, alteration Pierre Emerick Aubameyang in for uh, Alexandra Lacazette from the team that beat Chelsea. I thought maybe we might see a couple of changes just to keep things ticking uh, at this time of the year. But I actually, I think we've been relatively easily done by um, in terms of the fixture list. I mean, I think we've, you know, we've, we're going from Tuesday to Saturday. So it does give us time. You know, Saturday, Tuesday is not something we've been... Um, uh, 
un... What's the word I'm looking for here? We've had to deal with that plenty of times before, you know, a Saturday yeah. and then a Tuesday Champions League game, whatever it might be. You know, over the festive period in, in previous years, we've had games every couple of days, uh, you know, two day, then three days and what have you. So I think in some ways the fixture list has been a bit kind. Yeah, we had an extra recovery day over Brighton. And, you know, you've got to remember for the first half of this season, we've put up with a lot of Thursday, Sunday, which mm. a lot of teams aren't doing. Um, so we've navigated that not particularly well, admittedly. So yeah, I think that helped us. And it was interesting before the game, I, I, I sort of, I sneakily snuck over to the Brighton official Twitter feed and mm. looked at their team announcement because I quite like to see what opposing fans make of the team their manager has put out. And let's just say they were not happy at all with the team Graham Potter named. I mean, there was a revolt in the comments section there. Right. Um, accusations that he hadn't picked a striker. He'd left four strikers on the bench. Yeah. What, why is he so insistent on rotating players? You know, why can't he put their strongest team out? They were really furious about that starting eleven. Well, um, I, I don't yeah. blame them really because I was I was glad to see Mopé on the bench and I was glad to see uh, Welbeck on the bench. Uh, you know, there were players in there, uh, myself and Lewis were talking about it in the, the preview pod on Patreon, Players who are irritating. They may not be the best players in the world, but they're certainly difficult to deal with. We know Welbeck is, you know, he's quick and he's fast. We know what Mopay's about. Uh, you know, some of that is being a little prick, but also he's quite good. You know, the kind of defenders that we have uh, or attackers that we find a little bit hard to deal with at times. So I was glad to look at their team lineup and not see those guys in it. Yeah, me too. And of course, Lamptey was missing as well, who I think is probably their best player and I remember giving us a torrid time when he came off Chelsea at the Emirates Stadium um, so I, I was quite pleased by their lineup. by our lineup, I kind of thought uh, that it was a case of Arteta wanting to stick with what had worked against Chelsea as far as possible I mean yeah he rotated his centre forward he brought Aubameyang in for Lacazette and I was intrigued to see you know the combination between him and Martinelli how they might dovetail but otherwise I thought probably the right decision to stick with it and just yeah. try and develop some consistency. Although the first half, mm. you know, was not uh, good, shall we say? <laughs> I think that's being diplomatic towards the mm. first half. It really wasn't good at all. I think our only attempt on goal was the Granite Xhaka free kick. And, you know, there were moments where I was looking at us doing the stuff that has so frustrated us in recent weeks, you know, I think we can all accept and acknowledge that it is difficult to play against a team which basically has 11 men behind the ball when you're in possession and you're trying to yep. move and you're trying to trying to stretch them out of position a little bit to try and uh, you know find some space either for a cross or, or in behind or whatever it might be. It's really, really difficult. I get it. But there was, you know, there was a moment when probably around the half hour mark, a little after, where, where Granite Xhaka had the ball in the centre circle and there was like a a quick pass on out to Kieran Tierney. I'm not saying anything would have come of it, but when you are playing against uh, a team who defends the way Brighton did, the more quickly or the quicker you move the ball, the more chance you have of making something happen. And he just delayed and he delayed and he delayed. And then if, I think he played like a, a, a five-yard pass to Pablo Marie, who then played it out to Kieran Tierney. And it was like, oh, come on. Like you saw what happened against Chelsea when we when we moved the ball quickly, when we got uh, players into spaces. And uh, yeah, it was a frustrating half for me, you know, and I, my 
my opinion of it was slightly tempered by the fact that, okay, you know, it is the same starting eleven. They did put, put in a big shift against uh, Chelsea. It can sometimes take a little while to get going in a game, but it was, it was still, it was hard going that first half. It was, and they were missing that ability to play passes forward, play between the lines. Um, it was very cautious from both sides, really. Quite slow play. I mean, we had just the one shot, wasn't it? Granit Xhaka's mm. free kick. And actually, I, I was just looking at Xhaka's passing last night. And um, I remember saying after the Chelsea game, his, his most common two passes were Kieran Tierney and Emil Smith-Rowe. In this game, it was uh, Kieran Tierney and Pablo Marie. Yeah. Which I think, you know, comes as no great surprise, really. It shows you... Uh, and if you look at Mohamed Elneny... I mean, two passes into Smith-Rowe in the whole game. A lot of the time he was looking to, to Bellerin or to Rob Holding. We just didn't, particularly in the first half, did not progress the ball swiftly enough. Um, and I was worried because when you are passive in games, you leave yourself vulnerable to uh, you know, to going behind and that changes the whole complexion of the game. And there were a couple of opportunities for Brighton in that first half too. Yeah, it is mad, you know. Uh, obviously, your defenders are going to be more involved, but the pass combinations, you know, for Arsenal, uh, Marie, uh, Marie to Holding, Tierney to yeah. Marie, Marie to Tierney, Bellerin to Saka, Shaka to Tierney, Holding to Marie, Elneny to Holding, Bellerin to Holding, Holding to Elneny, Elneny to Bellerin. You know, those are the pass combinations that, you know, they, they help you keep possession, but they don't uh, allow you to do an awful lot with it. So, mm. look, I was glad to see better in the second half. Um, what, what it was you, much better almost immediately wasn't yeah, it yeah I mean what do you put that down to I mean is it just one of those okay look lads that, that 45 minutes was not great let's get it out of our systems you know we can go out and we can play with a bit more intent you know just the momentum of games can be changed by the break I think so I think so and actually if you think back to last season I mean Arteta was one of those managers who seemed to really benefit from the drinks breaks in games mm. you know, he, he did at least seem to affect change in those moments and I think he did hear, he spoke about it after the game and, you know, he clearly identified, I mean, you'd have to be too smart, we all saw it ourselves, but he identified the issue with Arsenal and they did improve it. They were able to get their forwards into the game much more quickly, in much more space as a consequence, and they looked much more dangerous. I mean, maybe there's a degree to which Arsenal were kind of feeling the, their way in the first half, yeah. maybe... Despite the win over Chelsea, there's still that anxiety of going away, of playing a very different type of team. Um, but the second half, I think, was really, really promising. And we had a, a three or four chances, wasn't it, in very quick succession, right, at the yeah. start of the half? Yeah, the, I mean, the, the first one, I think, was... Um, was the, it the Aubameyang The Aubameyang one? chance, yeah. Saka with the cross and Aubameyang. Like, what, what do you... Where do you put that on the... Miss versus save ometer. Well, it's one of those that I have to say I was I kind of couldn't believe it hadn't gone in. Just when mm. the cross is played in as well as that one was, it was a nice move. Saka kind of switching out to the left flank, playing a really good cross, and Abamyang. I, I want to say you'd put your you know put your house on him from from there. Uh, it's one of those where he makes okay contact and the keeper for me it kind of hits the keeper yeah. it's sort of like keeper's just he doesn't still really... isn't he trying to make himself big yeah and and you know he does well to block it I kind of yeah I, I feel like the striker will feel he should score there what do you think I think he'll feel like he should score as well yeah. I mean it's it's happening very fast he's arriving very fast I don't think the contact is perfect um 
But I don't think anyone does anything hugely wrong, but, you know, I think he probably should score. It just kind of... The, the the ricochet off him and the ricochet off the keeper doesn't go no. his way. I, I mean, the, the promising thing is that that's the kind of chance you want Aubameyang to have when you're playing him as the the centre forward, right? Yeah. Those are the areas that you want to deliver the ball to that he can get onto. So the movement was good. The build-up was really good. The finish not quite there. So if you're looking for some promise from from that action, it is that we delivered him the kind of chance that normally you would expect him to score. I, while we're on Aubameyang, mm-hmm. I think I texted you last night saying something along the lines of, I, I love Saka as much as I'm worried about Aubameyang. Yeah. Um, are you worried about Aubameyang? I think if you, I think you have to be at this point. And I, and I, you know, I say that because if you look at his record this season, he's just not uh, producing as much as we would like, particularly from open play. Uh, what is it? 14 Premier League starts, three mm. goals, one assist. It's, you know, it's not great. Um, I am worried about him. I, I, We both spotted a moment towards the end of the game last night where Arsenal seemingly had a breakaway and... I forget, what was the name of Webster, the, I think. Webster, yeah, who got back to him with relative ease. Now, you know, if I was being kind to him, I'd say that's late in the game. He's been playing mm. on the left wing for 20 minutes, half an hour, chasing back quite a lot. Maybe his stamina was just kind of gone at that point. But uh, it did ring a couple of alarm bells. I, I just think it's difficult to assess him right now if you had to be brutal in your assessment I think you'd say he looks well short of what he was last season but I think when you add in the factors like the amount of service he's had you know the team he's been playing in I think there are enough excuses for him just about to kind of make you think well Mm. this could be resolved but I am I am concerned for sure yeah what what do you think yeah I'm a little concerned I, I think the first half in particular uh, I thought he was better in the second half, but the first half, I just felt he was he was not quite on it. And I know n- nobody really was in that first half, so maybe it feels a little unfair to criticise him for that. And I'm not even being critical. I just feel like he wasn't quite as front-footed as I would have liked my centre-forward yeah. to be. And certainly, you know, Lacazette has taken plenty of criticism this season, but, you know, what he did against Chelsea and the way that he uh, performed physically was really impressive. And I would have liked to have seen a little bit more from Aubameyang in that regard. But mm. again, maybe that's maybe that's wide of the mark. I don't know. He's an experienced player. He knows his own body and maybe he's trying to, you know, conserve his energy and he is just back from an injury and et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I'm a little bit concerned. You know, if he puts that chance away, I think we're 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 talking in more optimistic terms about him. Definitely. Um and Again, until that's the weird, weird well, business of football. This is exactly it. You know, we weren't talking optimistically about Arsenal for a few weeks and we've won a couple of games and now we're beginning uh, you know, to think like we can do that, a few goals for Aubameyang would certainly change the picture. But you know, it, it is it is a bit of a concern. Hopefully, in the next few weeks, he can he can uh, turn things around. Um, yeah, I think a couple of goals could really change the picture, not just for us, but for him too, mm. um, and really lift his confidence and and improve his performances. I mean, strikers are, are weird like that; they go through good spells and bad spells and you know he's in a bit of a dry spell at present what about 
Bukayo Saka then. We don't need to talk about how good he is because we all know how good he is. Yeah. Maybe we should talk about how good he is on the right. And maybe we should talk about the fact that the right-hand side looks more functional. And I don't mean functional in a really basic way. I mean, it actually functions properly with Hector Bellerin and Bakayo Saka. Far mm. more than when Willian plays there or when Nicolas Pepe plays there. I know our sample size is still a bit small, but can it be a part of why things have improved over the last uh, couple of games? We have something that works on the right-hand side. Saka's quality is is unquestionable, but I think there's something to the partnership there that makes us a little more um, just cohesive as a team. Yeah, I think he looks... Funnily enough, you know, I do my post-match videos on YouTube and mm. I always have to put like a headline on the top. And yesterday, um, my headline was Bukayo Saka is just so good. But my first draft of that was Bukayo Saka is so good on the right because I really do right. think he he is excelling in that position at the moment. And it's it's weird because it's not the position I envisage him ending up in necessarily or maybe even see as his best position but I think the reason you're right to raise it is that I think it is solving a problem for us it's an area that has caused us issues and I think this season alone we've seen Willian there we've seen Pepe there I seem to remember in one game Aubameyang played out there Mm. um, all of which have had their problems all of which have not necessarily convinced I think Saka is by far the closest to what Mikel, I imagine Mikel Arteta wants from that position. And if I think about our best moments in this game, they all really stem from Saka. I mean, obviously there's the goal, there's the Aubameyang chance we mentioned where he, he sprung into the left channel and yeah. played the cross. There was another one where he went down the right-hand side and probably Aubameyang was frustrated he didn't get the cut back. I think yeah, Saka yeah. almost was looking to go for goal. But he absolutely bossed that wing. And, and it's not just... His attacking stats, you know, I think defensively uh, he's been he's been pretty good on that side too. So I think, yeah, there's a lot to be excited about, and his combination play with Smith Rowe, with Bellerin, I think with Lacazette when Lacazette was on as well, suggests there's something there. And again, we're in a period where we need to rotate, but. Uh, there's definitely something worth persisting with, I think, in this. For sure. And look, the return of uh, Gabriel Martinelli to play from the left yeah. has, you know, has given uh, Arteta the opportunity or wh- whatever you might call it to um, to play from the right-hand side. And, you know, the, the absence of Willian and Arteta, as we spoke about on uh, on Monday, um, his his... Lack of faith, I suppose, in in uh, Nicolas Pepe, mm. you know, means that he was open to trying something else on the right yeah. hand side. And and you know, when you look at the goal um, and the way that Saka took the ball, came deep into midfield, took a pass from holding, turned the guy, raced away from him, uh, played the ball across with his right foot into Lacazette. You know, he wasn't thinking about coming back in. On his left foot, you know, the first time delivery, well, first time, but, you know, delivering the ball with his right foot gave him the chance to make that pass. 
you know? So yeah. his, and we just saw him score a goal that he obviously meant against Chelsea with his right a foot as well. Very deliberate yeah. chip. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, I think that he, I mean, that moment for the goal is just sensational. And without wishing to make this about another player, I mean, A, that's what we paid the money for Pepe to do, that kind of contribution. And Saka's come through our academy and is doing it. B, can you imagine... Willian being capable of that I can't no. can't imagine it whatsoever you know having the turn and, and the speed to get away from his marker albeit Dan Byrne I have to say I've spoken on the podcast in the past about my travails as a left back <laughs> in on Hackney Marshes and watching Dan Byrne uh, <laughs> flashbacks get, eh? get burnt it was a very traumatic experience for me uh, I've, I've been in that position many as a, as a tall slow fullback I, I felt his pain but, um, yeah, brilliant from Saka nonetheless. Good pick out and a, a nice finish from Lacazette. 21 seconds after coming onto the pitch. Is that all it was? Apparently so. Wow. I mean, I looked at it again um, after the game and I think we've seen Lacazette a few times this season take that touch in the box and not execute yeah. the finish. Yeah, where yeah. the ball hasn't quite sat for him or his touch hasn't been quite right or, you know, he's just been a little bit slow, a little bit ponderous. You know, fair play to him. That was a really, really good finish. Good touch, good finish. Uh, Saka gets, you know, all the credit for creating it and he deserves that and he deserves the praise. But, you know, Lacazette quietly just sticking a few goals away at the moment. Yeah, he is. He is. And he's been, he's, he's been I think, justifiably criticised this season. But... I think it's at a point where, given you know the positive attack in this Arsenal team, mm. I think he's faring maybe slightly better than than we realised. But it's something I'd need to look at a bit more closely. But it's a really good finish, an immediate impact for him, and he's actually, like you say, sort of developing a little bit of form in front of goal. So that is a really good thing in a team that's desperately shy of that. My four, brother texted yeah. me. Oh, go on, you, sir. No, I was just going to say four goals in in his last seven games, so it's yeah. not bad. Uh, my brother texted me, he's a Chelsea fan, as you know, and he, mm. he's, he said, Lacazette really reminds me of, of Hasselbank. And it was a co- comparison that I uh, understood because, like Hasselbank, he, you know, he's a bit of a perfectionist about how and when he'll take his shots, but when he does, the contact can be very, very good, and it was mm. very good on this finish put it away very neatly in the near post. But I mean, he and we owe a massive debt of gratitude to Bukayo Saka, who really did create that out of nothing. Yeah, heart in mouth moments late in the game when he went down with an injury. Um, I was obviously glad to see him laughing and smiling on the bench afterwards. Um, It feels like we're getting those increasingly, doesn't it? I mean, his style of play means he's going to get caught. You know, he he beats people, he, he dribbles away from his man, but... I think there have been three or four times in the last couple of months where I've gone, please. I don't know if that says more about him getting kicked or just how important he is to yeah. us and how worried I am. Well, I was glad to see that we just took him off straight away. You know, they they uh, they were sort of taking him off the pitch and then he was coming back on. I was going, come on. You know, one yeah. part of me was going, well, if he's coming back on, maybe it's not that bad. So I should take some encouragement from that. But we whipped him off straight away. Sabios was ready to come on for Emile Smith-Rowe and was sent on for Saka. So I was glad to see a little bit of um, a little bit of common sense being applied there in terms of player welfare and substitution. 
I was too. I mean, you mentioned Emil Smith-Rowe. Yeah. There. What did you make of his performance? I thought he did really well. I thought he did great, you know. Um, how do I put this? I mean, he, he did brilliant work to create that chance for Martinelli. You know, that yeah. kind of turn and run. There was a moment in the first, was it early in the second half? I think I said it on the live blog, where basically he had to play a one-two to himself because Aubameyang just wasn't moving. Um, mm-hmm. It might have been early in the second half. But, you know, I, I love what he does with the ball. I love the way he moves. I love his socks around his ankles, you know, like, <laughs> our, like our Jack Grealish. He's got a little bit of uh, work to do on those calf muscles. But, sure. you know, can't have everything at once. Um, I just love what he does. And I think what's happened in the in the two games that he's played is he's demonstrated his ability to do it at this level. You know, if there were concerns about, you know, is he ready to make the step up? We know he's got the talent, but, you know, it's difficult sometimes for a player to apply it. Um, I, I like the fact that he was thrown in against Chelsea and played with such um, maturity and bravery and he did it again against Brighton and you know if you're Mikel Arteta and you're going Ooh, I wonder I wonder we know he's a good player but like what's it going to be like plenty of players are good but when they're when they're given the chance or given an opportunity they're not quite able to take it or it takes them longer to develop I think what Smithrow has, has shown us in the in the two games he's played is that he's ready to be part of this squad for the rest of this season I think so too I have to say he, I keep saying I have to say today, sorry if that's annoying okay. everyone. I don't know why it's happening. But um, he, the fact he stayed on the pitch as long as he did yeah. was big for me. You know, I, I think for a player who's had such fitness concerns, uh, and including this season, to last, whatever it was, 85, 88 minutes, I think is really encouraging. Yeah. Um, he looked after the ball brilliantly. It, you know, inside the opponent's half, he was passing at over 90%. So he provided that continuity that, you know, William supposedly offers us. Um, I thought he was brilliant. And I think, you know, if you look at the young players who are in this team, you've got Saka and Martinelli. I think everyone agrees that they're kind of standout talents, even amidst our promising academy generation. And what I'm hoping, and I think what we may be seeing is that Smith Rowe, certainly talent-wise, mm. you know, could be in that category. I, I don't want to go too hard and too soon, but when he was with the... England team. He's part of a generation all born in the same year as Phil Foden, Jaden Sancho and Callum Hudson-Odoi. And I remember speaking to his England under, I think it was under 18, under 17 coach Steve Cooper. And he was saying talent wise, Emil Smith-Rowe is in, he's up with those people. And he, he must be frustrated that he's not made the same impact at first team level as those people, because in terms of ability, yeah, He's he's in the same bracket and he has had to wait for his chance, but he's playing like someone who is absolutely determined to take it. And I think the mental side of what he's doing in terms of the impact he's making, the bravery he's showing on the ball, his willingness to work hard, yeah. the, what he's adding tactically to the team. I think what he's, he's showing mentally is as impressive as anything he's showing technically and... Yeah, I think you're right to say that part of the reason we feel better about this Arsenal team is that we're seeing something new and something we can get behind and invest in. And I hope we continue to invest in Emil Smith-Rowe. I'm not saying Arsenal should completely issue the, the transfer market in January, but I think he should be part of our 
plans. Let's find out what we have in him. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And look, you, I, I think it's quite interesting you use the word investment and we're talking about Bukayo Saka on the right-hand side. Obviously, yeah. Arsenal have invested time and money into his career since he was a young boy coming through the the Hayland Academy and it's bearing fruit now and it's brilliant to see and it's great mm-hmm. to see Smith Rowe but we've also invested without wanting to take this uh, to a downer you know we've invested the biggest ever transfer fee we paid in a player um, who is behind Bakayo Saka you know who in yeah. transfer terms costs us nothing we invested huge wages into Willian to play in the same position that Bakayo Saka is playing in now. So, you know, investment uh, of time can prove to be more effective than investment of money at times. Mm-hmm. And I think when, mm-hmm. when young players come through and they show you that they are ready, and Smith Rowe, I think, is certainly ready. I'm not saying play him every game, you know, but... I think between now and the end of this season, he should be a major contributor. He should be in our squad week in, week out. Um, you know, I know that's more easy now with nine subs being available, but... Yeah, that helps. You can't look beyond the fact that he's come in and Saka's gone to the right-hand side and we've uh, brought Martinelli back and things have improved. It's not all down to them and things, I suppose, would have improved eventually at some point. But, you know, this this is this has worked um, and like we said, I think on Monday, you know, hopefully this is something that Mikel Arteta recognises and acknowledges and, and keeps up with. Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, mm. I, you could see it full time, couldn't you? The How pleased the players were to have recorded another win. I think they kind of proved something to themselves that mm. the Chelsea was not an isolated incident. And when you look at the fixture list now, you can see there is an opportunity to put together... A run. I yeah. mean, it's West Brom, isn't it, at the weekend? They couldn't have had a, a worse result, really. You don't know if it's a, a good or a bad time I to think play it's them a, after that. I think it's a bad thing that they got yeah. dunked on the way they did. Um, I'd rather they I'd ra- I don't like playing teams who've just got spanked. Mm-mm-mm. You know, it feels like... Look, it could absolutely obliterate what little confidence they have and make it easier for us, but it could also... You know, when you've got someone like Allardyce in there, make them more obstinate and obdurate and, and what have you. But look, I don't want to talk too much about West Brom. We'll do that on the, the preview pod uh, over on yeah. Patreon. What about the way we saw out the game? You know, it, it wasn't like the goal opened up the floodgates, but nor were we under any significant pressure from Brighton. There were a few set pieces. I thought we dealt with them well. I thought Leno was very commanding in goal, which he isn't yeah, he always. Um, I think they had one shot after we scored and defensively I was quite impressed with with both Holding and Pablo Marie yeah I think so I mean we weren't under massive pressure I think some of that is down to Brighton they are a Mm. team who do not really convert their possession into chances we know a thing or two about that ourselves but yeah I mean Holding and Marie I think did pretty well I thought Mm. Marie looked looked pretty steady in there it's you know he's been here a long time and as we said the other day, we've barely seen him. So it's interesting to finally get some sort of uh, perspective on him as a player. And uh, yeah, I thought aerially he helped us out for sure. And holding holding sort of, you know, he's growing into this role. I mean, it's, it's interesting to analyse this player who was on the way out seemingly in pre-season yeah. and is currently 
one of the first names on the team sheet. And yet without necessarily there being any kind of consensus that he is a, a, definitely an Arsenal player for the future. It's kind of an odd position that he's in right now, I think. I, look, I think he's um, performing with some consistency. Mm. You know, mm. I wonder in terms of minutes, have many played more minutes than him? I wouldn't think so. I'd be very, very surprised. Leno obviously has played. Leno, yeah. And Premier he's played. Yeah, he's obviously played in some of the Europa League games as well. But in terms of. as an outfield player, I can't imagine. Saka, okay. Kieran Tierney, maybe. Okay, the top five are Leno, Saka, Tierney, Elneny, which is quite amazing. But that's across all competitions. Uh, and then holding. Um, so look, I th- you know, I think he deserves credit. I think he deserves credit for for um, for his availability as much as anything else. You know, there were worries about him from a, a fitness point of view as well, weren't there? So, yeah, exactly. I don't think anyone is necessarily stating that Rob Holding's the guy who's going to take us back. Uh, maybe even to the Champions League or to the title. But at the moment, he's providing some stability in this team at a time when it's required defensively. So mm. I think we're, we're grateful to him for that. Uh, yeah, I thought Arsenal saw it out relatively comfortably, to be honest. And as I say, some of that's on Brighton. But just really delighted with a clean sheet, yep. which, you know, is a good thing. Hadn't been easy to come by of late. And another win. So it does help. It does change the complexion. Uh, and we can end this roller coaster of a year football wise yeah. on a, a relative high. Fuck off, twenty twenty. <laughs> but yeah. going out with two wins certainly. We'll keep the cup win. Yeah, we'll the keep rest the cup win. The rest of it can, can get go. The fucking see. That's for sure. Just before I let you go, mm. um, we are heading towards the January transfer window. A few little stories yeah. doing the rounds. Um, I I I've been sort of flabbergasted at how angry people have been at the idea that we might be signing Diego Costa. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, just from the point of view of like it's clearly ridiculous. Like there's no way that's going to happen. No. I don't, I don't uh, believe so. I don't think... Like, I can understand people going, this club has done some shit in the last little while that makes this possible. But, like, come on, guys, don't. Well, <laughs> never... I wouldn't put anything <laughs> past them. But, yeah, I don't believe uh, there's a real risk of that, shall I put it. Mm. Um, people, Some people are very angry about the link to Isco as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's your take on that one? I have a... F- Look, it, it really depends on what kind of a deal it is. If it's a six-month deal loan until the end of the season because the player that we want to bring in to add something to our midfield won't be available until the summer, I think I'd be okay with it. I'd rather just take a loan deal, bring somebody in who could add something, rather than bring in our second or third choice. Do you know what I mean? We, we've talked yeah. about this before, like how we spend money now is is really important and what we spend our money on is, is really important. And of course, there will be a loan fee and, you know, I can understand why there might be some doubts about Isco, but if it's six months and he can give us something, then I'm okay with it. I would rather we, we 
we were more sensible with the money that we have available to us. And if it means we've got to wait till the summer to bring in the player that we really, really want, then wait till the summer. You know, don't do... I agree. Don't do stupid things, so... I agree. I mean, listen, we're, we're talking up Smith Rowe, but I think it's reasonable and realistic to suggest he can't, he can't play every minute between now and the end of the season. And we don't have really players like him within the squad available. Um, we've both said we don't think Mr. Ozil's coming back anytime soon. No. Or uh, probably ever. So I think... Uh, alone would make a, a degree of sense. I think it would be very difficult to get the perfect player Arsenal want for that position in this window. And if someone becomes available who we can secure relatively cheaply, who gives us cover and rotation in that position for the next six months, I'd be okay with that. And I'd be okay with it being somebody with the profile of Isco, for example. I don't necessarily think Isco is uh, someone who figures high on Arsenal's list. But you know, it doesn't uh, it doesn't uh, frustrate me in the same way as a link to Diego Costa might. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he hasn't been the most productive player in the last few seasons, no. so you know there is that doubt as well. But uh, you know, it's more about the 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 idea that we could get somebody that could help us bring in the right player in the summer. You know, rather than panic now. You know, so if, it's more about the. Uh, the kind of transfer that it is, just a loan deal and not a loan deal that we turn into a five-year deal for a player of that age. You know, we can't mm. do that. There's just no way we can do that. But if it is just a short-term deal, then I'm okay with that. No, we can't be doing the old Pablo Marie, Cedric Suarez, it's a loan, but, you know, don't yeah. worry, it'll be a four-year deal. We, you know, that's not something we can do mm. in this window um, in good conscience. So let's see. I mean, how do you feel about January? Do you feel... Like Arsenal will bring somebody in? I think we will. I think there's mm. been so much going on in the last few weeks. They kind of have to do something. You know what I, I mean? Think they will. I think, I think they think will. I'm, but yeah, I mean, I'm not just saying doing something for the sake of doing it. I think they'll, they're, they were probably planning on doing something anyway before we won these two games. Um you know, it's clear the squad could use some kind of a boost. Quite what it is, I don't know. And obviously, they've got to get rid of some players along the way as well because we're we're overstocked as it is. Um, I mean, we're talking about players coming in. What about somebody going out? Reese Nelson has not made the squad for the last number of games, even with nine yeah. subs. Um, he isn't injured, um, I've been told by official sources. He's not injured, so he's just not in the squad. So do you feel like he could be somebody who we might see depart in January? I think there's got to be a chance of that. He's just not getting enough football. There was talk of him going on loan in the summer. I wonder, with hindsight, whether he wishes he had. I know he impressed in those Europa League games, but do you think there's a risk of him going permanently or do you think it would just be a loan deal? don't know. I don't know. Um... I don't know. I mean, it's weird. It's a strange situation because he was a player that Mikel Arteta used quite a bit when he took over first. And then he's sort of fallen out of favour and then he seemed to be heading back into favour and then he's gone again. So I don't know quite what's going on there with him, whether there's, you know, um, an incompatibility. I, I really don't know. But I, I think alone at least would, it wouldn't surprise me at all in January. No, nor I. Okay. All right. Well, look, we'll talk more. James, in January, you and I, 
In 2021. Uh, in 2021. So uh, talk to you next year, man. Talk to you next year. Talk happy year. 1000 Askcast. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, happy new year to you and yours and to everybody listening. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah. Happy new year, James. Thanks. Happy new year, Andrew. Happy new year to all the listeners. Thanks for sticking with it through 2020. It's been a mad one. <laughs> for sure. Putting it lightly. Yeah. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Thank you very much indeed to James. You know where to find him. He's on Twitter at GunnerBlog. Join us on Monday for an Arsecast Extra, the first Arsecast Extra of 2021. Hopefully we can make it a nice hat-trick of wins with uh, our trip to West Brom looming at the weekend. We'll preview that game on Patreon. Myself and Lewis Ambrose, as always, will do a Patreon preview podcast. If you want to sign up for Patreon, you can do that. Patreon.com forward slash arseblog. It's a fiver a month. And just very finally for me for today on this extra arsecast, not an arsecast extra. If you've been here since the very start, since October 2006, when the first Arsecast went out, you've listened to all 1,000 episodes and beyond. Thank you very much indeed. It's hugely appreciated. Whether we're winning or we're losing, uh, obviously it's better when we're winning, but either way, it's good to be able to talk about Arsenal and to know that there are people out there listening. So um, all the downloads, all the shares, all the comments and reviews, etc., uh, are just massively, massively appreciated. So thank you very much. Um, because it is New Year's Day on Friday, it's a weird one. I'm not sure we're going to do an Arsecast regular on Friday. But as I said, we will do the, the uh, preview podcast on Patreon. So let me just once again wish you, after what has been the most weird, surreal, trying, difficult, challenging, heartbreaking, awful, sometimes good, but mostly quite shit indeed year. The very, very best in 2021. Health, happiness, peace, prosperity. Look after yourselves, look after one another, and we'll get through this. And hopefully 2021 is a better year for everyone. So until the next one, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye.
Hello and welcome to Oscar's 6052. I'm so old and tired. With me as always, it's Robot James. Goodly morning to you, James. Goodly morning, Andrew. How are you doing today? I am fine, although I did have an accident this weekend. All of my robot teeth fell out. Oh, you're just like the real James, who accidentally cryogenically froze himself back in 2042. Anyway, Robot James, just a quick one to get the conversation going. Why do you think Arsenal have given Willian a new seven-year contract? Well, the only reason I can think we did that was because... Well, I can't think of a reason why we did that. Malfunction? Malfunction? So alone. Don't worry, you have me, Robot Arshavin. <laughs> 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 